Hello and welcome to Sideways. This week we're talking about labels and we're trying to decide whether they're useful for people or best left in the supermarkets. So, yes. um, uh, uh, what, what do you want to talk about this week? Well, I always wanted to talk to you really about, about labels. Well, like designer labels? Well, you no, know, not really, you know, not the itchy ones. Right. No, okay. the itchy ones. Because I cut them out usually. Yeah, I, yeah, but that makes it worse sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes it you can rip them out. It That's leaves a little sharp better. ridge yeah. along the back, or especially you, the ones around the side, which, um, at, uh, around your midriff, which, yeah. again, they chafe. Yeah, then you have to unpick the stitching. From yeah, the you do, you do, and it, it's not right, is it? No. Anyway, no, that's not the label. It's not the label we're about, talking no. about. Okay. Um, I'm talking about labels on people, really. You know, do, do they do, do they help or do they hinder? And what you mean? So labels like alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, that's one, one of them, or anything, or any, depressive, any, any sort of label, especially the mental health issue ones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, are they? I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they're useful, or if there are? If, if if they are hmm. counterproductive, well, I suppose um, they might be useful in terms of diagnosis in some respects, but I don't think they're particularly useful in any other respect. No, no, I don't. I mean, it's. Um, I, I remember. Um, I remember going to the to, to my GP. And it was I was about four months sober at the time I went to see him, and he was he was the GP that was responsible for getting me off to Kenwood Trust, and so he started the ball rolling in many respects. After I'd been speaking to him about the honesty came out about my alcoholism, etc., and the level I was drinking. Mm. And I remember this was about four, four months after I'd originally gone to see him, and he, he spanned the, his computer screen round that was on his desk and said, yeah, just take, take a look at this. And, and in there it, it said that, um, I, don't, I, I couldn't read it all, but the last few notes in there were saying that, that I'd been into the, into the surgery and I was stinking of alcohol and uh, in a pretty depressed state in a pretty bad way. Um, before we'd come to the conclusion, you know, my drink had got to, to a problematic level, and he was going to send me off to Kenwood Trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, at the four-month mark, I remember being quite quite happy of the fact that he said, "Do you know what? You look disgustingly healthy today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, off off you go." Um, and he, as, as I was going out, he said, "Do you have access to your medical records? Because you can now." look at them and get them all online and I said no I, I haven't but I'll be quite interested to have a look yeah um and so he gave me the details about how to do it and I remember you know, a couple of days later when I got round to have a look at it online I suddenly realized that uh, in my notes there I'd been given a, a syndrome oh yeah yeah I was, I was uh, which was alcohol dependency syndrome ADS I'd never had one before I'd never right. had a label never had a syndrome and so it was Were you pleased um, not really. I don't, I don't. I was no. I didn't really want it on my medical records. I suppose initially. Oh, okay. I thought, what's that doing there? You know, once it's there, it's there, isn't it? But mm-hmm. um, all the the notes before that were leading up to that sort of diagnosis anyway. Um, and I felt that it was, in fact, it was quite a, a soft approach to the word alcoholic, which at the time I thought was was. It's a terrible thing to be labelled, and I think most people would f- would find it a difficult label to have attached to them. So, do mo- do you find that most people in group, so most people in recovery, uh, dislike the appellation alcoholic? Um, I think initially, yeah, right. I think they do, but you come to terms with it. Um, 
And it, it, it's, it's strange because when you go to, to the fellowships, fellowship meetings, particularly AA, obviously, um, you confirm at every juncture when you're in the meeting there, before you say anything at all, you introduce yourself and say your name, say, uh, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. And, it, and, it, I, I, and that I find a little bit strange, that it's a constant reaffirmation of the condition I, I have. Mm. I don't find it particularly disturbing or perturbing again it's something i've got used to but it's, it seems weird that um, you know after all these all these years i'm still using but, that particular title it's not only that you're using that title it's also that in some ways and i suppose this is one of the dangers of labels in some ways they can become the way you define yourself or the way other people define you as if that's all you are you know um i mean i, I think i'm right in saying that that was one of the things that you always struggled with with AA, wasn't it? The fact that it's, you know, you can't escape from that label. In fact, I had a, a client recently who said to me that sometimes, uh, in his case, it's, he goes to CA, he goes to... Um, Cocaine Anonymous. Cocaine Anonymous. I couldn't remember the name of the, uh, the drug. It's yeah, quite bit, weird, isn't it? Been to those myself. that says about me. Um, so he says that sometimes when he goes to CA... He feels as if, uh, in some respects, his recovery is even harder because he's kind of immersed in this kind of constant focus on addiction. Yeah, yeah, I know. It is, it is something which, um, certainly at, at our peer support groups, we don't tend to use labels like that. Mm. Um, and uh, again, we get a number of people that come in that do find it a little bit tricky sometimes at AA meetings, that they do have to do that and feel that they're perhaps, I don't know, confirming the stereotype. Um, it seems almost well, like... What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I, th- I think that, um, that do you know, when, whenever a, uh, an AA meeting is, is, is sort of shown in, in films, etc., yeah. it's... it's, it's um, a lot of it is quite true of what they say, but it's always you know people standing up and saying, oh, I'm such and such and I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I think people have almost made fun of that in the past. Right, okay. Um, so it, it's something when you do go to AA meetings, you find out it's actually real. That's what they do. So do you, so you think that because it's so, in some respects, well-known, that there's, I mean, do you think there's kind of shame attached to it then? Yes. Right, okay. Which, and obviously... Shame is kind of unhelpful in recovery, isn't it? Because it's one of the things that you're trying to get rid of. But I suppose the argument, the counter argument to that would be that it's a balance between not um, repressing that shame, but being able to deal with it. I mean, I don't know what's your... I think, yeah, yeah, there is is a, a, a lot of shame attached to using that particular phrase that title and i think do you remember when i came to your continual professional development day yeah down in in battle and we yeah, i came down there to meet a lot of your fellow psychotherapists mm-hmm. and psychiatrists etc and one of the chaps there he asked me about exactly this about the term you know whether i was if i found out it was uncomfortable mm-hmm. 
with with the term alcoholic. And I, if if I remember rightly, I said to him, "No, I'm not not particularly uncomfortable as long as it's not used in the pejorative." Yeah. And I think it is used as a as, as a way of putting people down. Well, like filthy alcoholic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially if it's yeah. If you, if you put that, that, that in front of it. <laughs> yeah. To give it a little bit more yeah. oomph. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that um, most people will, will, will fight shy of, of labelling themselves that certainly. Yeah. yeah. I think it's quite interesting as to whether you know when a label is thrown into the mix. Whether how much it affects the person receiving that title and, and the person that's giving it, you know, because it, it changes the perception. It's a bit of a different dynamic between you know, uh, between the, the two people at that time. So, do you think it makes a difference um, whether someone has applied the label to themselves or whether it's been given to them by somebody else? Yeah, I think. Well, I think. Well, if once you give it to yourself, you, t- you tend to be quite comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, it's, it, when it's uh, hoisted upon you, it can be a little bit different. Because um, I know, again, going back to my to my GP, and again, I think it was just something you discussed down at the CPD day, was that you know the softer terms are available if you like. Yeah. Um, you know, we come across you know alcohol, alcohol dependent and alcohol uh, dependency syndrome. Um, and, so, and some people use it, and certainly in America they use it a lot more as a, an alcohol body allergy. Really? <laughs> yeah, they do. Oh, yes. I've heard of that. No, it's it's one that I've come across. I've, I've come across it more than once, but it tends to be limited to to when you're reading stuff or you're looking stuff up online or again on YouTube. Um, it comes up quite a lot. They see um, alcoholism as a, an allergy to alcohol. It's a body allergy, so it's not just a physical allergy, it's a mental allergy But don't, as well. don't you feel like that? I mean, I don't know. I've, no, I've never heard that phrase before, so I haven't had a chance to kind of think about it. But I don't know, there's something about that that feels as if it's almost gone too far the other way. Aren't you You're almost being a bit mealy-mouthed about it? A bit sort of, oh, I don't know. I mean, um, we've spoken a lot about how the, one of the necessities for recovery from anything is your is um, your ability to confront something, be honest about it, say, yeah, look, this is what's going on here. Surely there's a danger of going too far the other way and, and sort of almost kind of pretending it's something that's over here that isn't part of you, that you don't have a responsibility for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I do. I agree. I, th- I think that um, there is, that, that there's, a, there's a middle ground there somewhere. Um, and I'm quite happy with the with the original term we discussed as as, as being an alcoholic, um, as long as these days I use you know recovering alcoholic as a, as something to to define me if you like or define this, this, the, uh, where I am. But do you feel like it defines you full stop? I mean, uh, surely you feel as if there is more to you than being a recovering alcoholic. Yeah, I do. But that's quite an interesting point because I think that um, when you first go into recovery, you're quite proud of that title. Yeah. And it does define you, and, yeah. uh, and it has to define you. The early period of recovery, which is normally probably the first 12 months, you've got to give everything to recovery. Nothing else can get in the way. So it's very, I think it's very apt to, to call yourself a recovering alcoholic at that time. Um, now, I t- the, the, the thing is, with that particular term, other people see it as you're probably still drinking but trying to give up. Oh, um, okay. they, they yeah. see it as that. They see it as you know you're a recovering alcoholic. You know you're still still imbibing, but at some point you, you hopefully you're going to get to get into abstinence. But that's just a so that's just a misunderstanding. It's an outside yeah. perception. Yeah, um, it, it, it is a misconception. Um, but as you get later, on, I don't see it. I don't see myself as being defined by my condition anymore. No, no. I think you know uh, the, the the number of years I am now into recovery. It's it's a part of me. It's a big part of me, but it's no longer um, the defining part. And 
the same with everything, and I'm sure you 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 give this advice to to a lot of the people that come to see you. But it's about getting a balance in your life. So the the amount that I put into my recovery, I think now is is about right. With the, the meetings I attend and the um, self analysis I still do on the condition, it's it's pretty much it's pretty much balanced now with everything else that's going on. But in a sense, you're you're. I would say you're quite a good example of what happens when um, someone who's had problems with addiction turns the some of the qualities that are synonymous with addiction to the good, because you know we've discussed before how um, you know if alcoholics can use their destructive habits in a positive way, they're pretty much unstoppable because they're very resourceful, <laughs> they're very determined. Yeah. And so, in a way, you, you're kind of like that now, aren't you? Because you have a thirst for knowledge about the condition. You, from my observation, are someone who is very good at um, kind of upping your uh, focus on recovery at times when you're struggling and you kind of need it. And then you can pare it back down again when life feels a bit better and you can concentrate on other things. So, you seem to, to do that very effectively i think so i mean again that's only come with time it's something that most people once of it once have achieved abstinence is to getting that balance back in their life but i, and I found that um taking a uh, a real interest in in, in my condition yeah as has made it very it's made it a journey which is a journey of knowledge, uh, not just about myself, but a journey of knowledge into 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 the condition and all other aspects that, that associated with it. So, I'm sort of enjoying it. But that's what I mean. That's it's kind of there's a focus there, isn't there? Yes. Which at one time was um, on when can I get some vodka? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And now that focus is on something that keeps you healthy and living a more sustainable, enjoyable life. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we always say in groups, and again, it's a, bit, it's a little bit cliched now, but you know, if we did put half the effort into our recovery as we did, making sure we didn't get caught with our vodka or our, our, our drink or our drugs, and the effort we made in actually obtaining them, then we'd be half the way there. Yeah. We really would, making a real, a yeah. real inroads into it. There was something you said earlier on about um, you said when people first go into recovery, recovering alcoholic is actually a label that they quite like. You know, perhaps quite proud of, which reminds me of something else about labels. One of the other problems I think with labels is um, that we can, and sometimes unconsciously, but we can use them to our benefit. Um, so, for instance, uh, you can use a label of depression or anxiety uh, to enable you to avoid getting better and changing yeah yeah so uh, there's a kind of secondary gain there for you uh because if you tell yourself no no that's it i'm i'm too depressed or no that's it i'm i'm someone who will always suffer with terrible anxiety so you kind of define yourself like that one of the things you do is you prevent yourself from changing you prevent yourself from getting better because effectively what you're saying to yourself is look this is how i am it's almost implicit this is how i was born and i'm always going to be like that so it kind of stops you from feeling um a, a desire and a thirst to real or a belief in your ability to to change and get better and in some respects it's also quite convenient because it gets you out of doing stuff yeah it does i mean i've known a number of people 
that have, and in fact, I remember seeing on EastEnders. Do you remember when? Yeah, it's a lot many years ago now when Phil Mitchell, um, obviously, his, his, his alcoholism came into come to the fore, and when he was when he was getting into trouble with Sharon and other people in the in the, in the plot. Um, said so, well you know this I'm an alcoholic this is what I do best right okay um, yeah. so it was using that you know this is this is what I have to deal with you know you deal with it too yes so I think it's quite interesting but what, what I find interesting also what I find quite fun now is I quite enjoy telling people I'm, a, I'm, an, alco- I'm an alcoholic just to see their reaction <laughs> I like this awkward silence you, you know like well, because people don't know what to say yes they do I mean it's, it's one of those things that people find it really difficult to come to terms with so I, I find it quite fun you know, <laughs> but you get, you get those awkward silences you know in um, in the office where Ricky Gervais is playing David Brent and he'll make a joke and there's this awful silence yeah, and, and it feels tense and it feels it? really like tense all... I can recreate that in a, just if I'm feeling in, a, in that sort of mood I can recreate that in, 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 in certain circumstances right, I wondered who it was you were going to liken yourself to this week oh and Ricky Gervais well no, no I'm not, now you're Ricky Gervais no no he hasn't got an alcohol problem so I'm not, well, not as far as we know well not as far as I know but we do create this awkward silences <laughs> <laughs> which I find brilliant um, but it's yeah I, it, it just gets me out of a tight squeeze sometimes well, what, do people, what do people say to you then you tell them that um, they really don't know what to say oh. I tend to do it with people I don't know very well um, normally if I want to sort of <laughs> I probably want to finish it's an icebreaker it, it's either an icebreaker or it, it gets rid of them right it's, it stops them talking it reminds more. me of the time you, you didn't you go out for a kind of Christmas drink with some friends last was it last year and you sat next to a guy who asked you why you weren't drinking do you remember that? Uh, yes it was, was yeah it, was that last year um, I, I can't, I, it may well have been it may well have been and yeah, if you're referring to the time where the guy said, when I said, yeah, I'm, I'm not drinking, I'm an alcoholic, and he said, Cross, I thought you'd been flat out on it then if you were, <laughs> if you're an alcoholic, you love drink. And so he didn't cry, I did, a, I did actually bother. I was sat next to him at a dinner table, so I did actually go on to explain that I was in recovery, etc. So I didn't just leave that one hanging because I could have had real fun with that one as well. But um, yeah. going back to those labels, I mean, you, labels, they're resistant to change, aren't they? They really are resistant yeah, to change. That's, that's exactly what I, I was. I was just saying, you know, if you, the danger of a label is once you tell yourself, this is what I am, this is what I've got, this is what I'm dealing with, you, you kind of make it true. That's your truth. Uh, I, I am this. And when you, te- when you, he- you hear yourself say that, uh, you do make it harder to shift. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think that um, sometimes you can, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes. Um, I know several people that have complained when their children have had a diagnosis of ADHD, for example, right. all of a sudden their behaviour becomes worse. Right. Because all of a sudden they've got an excuse as to why they're behaving like they are mm-hmm. and a reason why they're behaving like they are. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we did have someone come into, a girl coming to, to groups and her, her child had been diagnosed with dyspraxia. Yeah. Um, and she says he's just clumsy, you know. <laughs> but um, he'd been diagnosed with dyspraxia. But all of a sudden, that, that gave him a, a, a reason to, for his behaviour to change. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the label was applied that he then changed as a person, mm. which is weird, isn't it? In terms of the beliefs we hold about ourselves, the one thing that we're absolutely wedded to is that we want to be right. So, if you have a belief about yourself that you're worthless or unlovable or hopeless at relationships or depressed or anxious the one thing you definitely want to be is right and so you'll become absolutely stellar at finding all the evidence that proves that you're right okay and you'll become brilliant at ignoring all the evidence to the contrary that makes sense 
Good. It does make sense. It, makes sense. it does make sense. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, was watching, I was looking at a YouTube clip the other day, and it was this guy. Do you, you know the TED Talks, which I've always found love, fascinating? Love a TED Talk. And there's TEDx Talks as well, which yes. is sort of a, I don't know what they are, which is a slight variation on the theme. But um, there's a guy called John Snow on there, and he's a, he's a psychology professor from the Lafayette College in the USA. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about labels, and he was saying that, you know, labels labels are bad but labels are for food and not for people and um and they shouldn't be used at all and he's going on to a different different he was, he was quite evangelical in his approach to to labels like and billy graham a bit like billy graham in a different way but he was talking talking about as an example he said if you use the term weeds for example weeds in the garden now you see oh, you, yeah, see, yeah. you see weeds it gives you the impression of sort of troublesome ugly foliage and he's going on to explain that you know like blue violets and dandelions mm-hmm. they're weeds but you know they're, they're quite beautiful flowers mm-hmm. so that's a label didn't someone once say that weeds are just um plants growing in a place you don't want them i think yeah do you know who said that <laughs> Uh, well, I just did. You just did it, but no, I don't know who originally said it. No, I don't. Well, I'll give you another one then, right? Okay. See, if, see if you can guess who said this. Right? Uh, weeds are flowers too. Once you get to know them, uh, I've got no idea. No idea. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. Oh, uh, Winnie the Pooh. Well, oh, that, that's, it's, see, that's proper. Uh, that's philosophy, isn't it? Yeah, that's proper philosophy. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. He's, he's one of the greats, isn't he? he? Definitely one of the great post-Socratic philosophers. Definitely not a bear of very little brain. Yes, so I mean, labels are. We find that across everything. I mean, what would you say if I? If, okay, what about what would you? What do you think? What's, what's the image that's, that's thrown up if I say Millwall fans to you? Oh, well, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, violence. Obviously. Violence, exactly. Yeah, obviously, exactly. And there's this. There's a guy I used to um, I used to do business with, and he was one of the most placid. Guys, he was a manager of a local insurance company, so he used to, he used to, his team used to come to me to try and do, to, to do business with me. Yeah. And he was, he was a, a very mild guy. In fact, he was probably way too nice to be a manager. Um, but he was an avid Millwall fan. Yeah. He'd been to every Premier League ground, and also every ground yeah. in the top four divisions yeah. to see Millwall play. <laughs> All right, so he was absolutely fanatical, but he was most unlike any other Millwall fan I'd ever come across. Or, yeah. you know, once he said he was a Millwall fan, I, cert- I expected a certain yeah. uh, type of person, and yeah. it, just, it just wasn't. It's was completely different. So labelling all Millwall fans as the same is, is obviously wrong. I'm, yeah. I, I'm just picking them just as an example because they do have this particular... Yeah, you lured me you know, into your... I did, trap, your trap. You? I did a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I, going back to when I was young, did you ever find you were searching for a label? I don't mean you know, no. for a Kelvin Klein or no. an Amani top in the <laughs> no. charity shop that was a bit tasty. No, uh, no I don't think so. I, I mean, the only label I had when I, I was at school was Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the resemblance, but um, well, yeah, well, knowing you at that stage, yeah, obviously yeah. You've, you've... Which was very unkind. It was very unkind. You've you lost a little bit of timber since then. Yeah. So, it's, it's, so yeah, I'm not, I don't think I searched for a label, but I probably was given. I think we are given labels, aren't we, as yeah. children? But I don't think I searched for one actively. Do you reckon there's a difference between a label and an identity? Well, yeah, there is a difference but i think a label feeds into your sense of self doesn't it your sense of identity i mean when we when we're talking about identity we're really going down a very 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 deep rabbit hole yeah we are but, but i mean just sort of on the surface but i was i was really pleased when i sort of started to get an identity of growing my hair long oh yeah I wearing that. a leather yeah. jacket yeah getting a motorbike and then hanging out with those people that looked exactly the same but i felt yeah. there was a real comfort in that at that time and yeah. i think that um 
you remember the the, uh, the film Quadrophenia? Mm-hmm. And I was quite fascinated with that film. With it, um, it was you know I thought it was quite a a great a great look at the sort of sixties cultures. And and I think you know Phil Daniels who, play, who played the main character in, in the film, we used, he was talking about it. Uh, a couple of years later after the film had, had been a real hit and he said that he saw it as one person's search for an identity mm. and I identified with that mm. Mm. but that's different from having a label don't it you? is yeah but it was something I, I, I physically wanted at that time something like, that I, I went out and sought yeah I sought solace in, in that so you want to use sort the identity as a, a biker yes but and you I didn't quite, really want the label of alcoholic. No, I didn't know. That's the, that's the difference between the two. One I was, I was yeah. particularly searched for, and the other one just landed on my desk. Yeah. Your identity is nothing more than what you believe about yourself. Um, I think well, we could do a whole new a whole episode on that, really, couldn't we? I think there's a lot of stuff in there. We can't do it tonight, though, because I've got to feed the dog. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want Daisy to go, to go hungry. To go hungry. Yeah, bless yeah. her heart. Okay. Should we call it a day then? I think so. Excellent. All right. See you next week. Cheers, mate. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work, visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways. You can also follow us on Twitter and you can email us to let us know what you think of the show. Finally, we want to thank you for listening and ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week.